and welcome to Afternoon Five, the podcast where we highly recommend not fucking your car. I'm Emily. And I'm Ryan. And if you're a short, left-handed male, you're not going to like this. Hello, everybody. What's up? Hey. How you doing? Um, so we're going to talk about some real intense shit today. Um, yes, I think you mentioned pedophiles. Yes, I mentioned pedophiles, um, high your, heels. This is your trigger warning, by the way, if you don't enjoy... And no one should enjoy it. No. But if any of this is, like, squicky to you... Okay, so we're going to talk about fetishes. We're going to talk about some weird fetishes. We're going to talk a little bit about psychology. We're going to talk about pedophiles. If any of this is stuff that's not you, please go listen to a different episode. Um, in terms of... Uh, no fetish is so weird that in my... Mm. I want to be very sex positive, but at the same time, yeah, is if your kink is hurting other people okay, that so don't agree to it. Let's just jump right in with that. Okay. okay. So kink and fetish, not the same thing. Okay. Okay. So we're talking about like fetishistic disorder, Ooh. not just people that like to be tied up. Okay. I didn't, don't touch the table. It makes sounds. I'm wearing headphones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so a kink would be, like, something you're into. Like, if you're kind of into wearing diapers, more power to you. It's your kink. But if you are so into wearing diapers that it's affecting your ability to do your job or socialize with other human beings, that's fetishistic disorder. Okay. If it affects your life. Important differences. Yes. So we're not talking about your kinks. If you're into whatever you're into, we're totally for it. But if you're into stuff to a point that it is affecting your ability to function then um, we have a little bit of judgment here for you. Um, more a recommendation, and that recommendation would be to see a doctor. Much like our shit episode. Um, basically all our episodes end in if you have an abnormal obsession with anything we talk about, um, or abnormal poop, you should see a doctor. Or if you have an obsession with abnormal poop, then you should really see a doctor, like right now. A-S-A-P. Mm. A-S-A-P. Okay, so let's start with a definition, because that's how I like to start all mine. So, fetishistic disorder is an intense sexual attraction to objects or body parts not traditionally viewed as sexual, coupled with a clinically significant distress or impairment. So, two things. It has to be something that's not typically sexual, but you're sexualizing. Like poop. Like poop, or like, if you're overly obsessed with boobs, like, it can be a thing. But okay. if you're also obsessed with, like, amputees, like a body, or a lack of body part that is not typically considered a sexual thing, like being cut off at the knees. Okay. And it has to impact your life. So that's what we're talking about. So. I'm going to mention serial killers later, but continue. I'm sure you will. You always find a way to inject them into our episodes. My quirk. Your quirk. <laughs> not to be confused with her kink. No, that's a different thing. So... The term fetishism was coined in the late 1800s, which really freaks me out because I can't picture, like, an 1800s gentleman saying fetishism. Oh, I can, but I watch a lot of, like, dramas that are set back in the day. Okay, fair. Um, speaking of which, hmm. I watched that Victor Frankenstein with James McAvoy and yes. Bill Radcliffe. So good. Right? So I watched good. it, and it was amazing. I love it. It was everything I enjoyed. I mean, things. I fell asleep towards the end, but really the beginning when Daniel Radcliffe is like walking around like a monkey or yeah, whatever, like yeah. that's the good part. The beginning is where it's at. It kind of falls apart in the end. It gets a yeah. little intense. But, yeah, a little too much. Um, anyway. That's, yes, very good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're into people that look like Daniel Radcliffe in the beginning of 
Victor Frankenstein. Is that what it's called? Yes, Victor Frankenstein. Um, to a point that it's impacting your life. You have a fetishistic disorder and you should see a doctor. Hunchbacks or monkeys? Kind of both. Okay. Either or. Um, so the word fetishism originates from the Portuguese word fetico. Really? Portuguese. Portuguese. Well, it's usually Latin or Greek. And no, we're Portuguese. Portuguese. Wow. Well, I mean, doesn't Portuguese kind of originate from Latin too? And kind of uh, all like Spanish... French, those all have Latin. Yeah. yeah, so it probably has also a Latin. Do you know what German has a base in? Uh, it has a name. It has a specific name that I can't think of right now. Okay. But yes, it has a root in something else. Um, just like Russian and Polish have a root. It's like a Slavic root. And then there's a Latin root, a Greek root, and then German and like English have... I think you actually just kind of call it a Germanic root. Okay, so like German is... It kind of originated Ground zero. Time. Yeah, well, kind of... It kind of combines a couple languages with, like, Old Celtic and things sort of like... Weird. Even though Celtic has sort of its own. Yeah. There are very, very, very early origins from Celtic that inject into German and English. And it's a whole thing. Maybe we should do an episode on language origins. We should, uh, because I can understand French pretty well because I have that eight years of Latin, but I've yeah. been trying to learn German and I got nothing. Yeah, see, I'm better with, like, German and Slavic languages. Latin-based languages, I'm really bad at, aside from English. But English is actually more Germanic than it is Latin. It's everything. It's a little bit of everything. Um, anyway, <laughs> super off-topic, and I feel like I'm talking really fast. Um, Portuguese. Portuguese. The word fetico, which means obsessive fascination, which is That's pretty exactly apt. what it is, yeah. Indeed. So um, there is, so a lot of people have fetishistic arousal or fetishistic behavior. Really common. Like, uh, like when guys say, I'm a butt guy or I'm a boob guy. They're really like overly aroused by boobs, but I, like that's pretty normal. Yeah. So that's why there's that specification that it has to impact your life. Specification. Specification. I'm surprised I got that word out. So fetishistic arousal is generally only considered a problem, obviously, when it interferes with normal sexual or social functioning and where sexual arousal is impossible without the fetish object. So you have to be, like, exclusively a fetishist. Andrei Chikatilo, who was the Russian serial killer, couldn't get it up unless he saw blood. That would be a fetishistic disorder. He so, also like to chew on vaginas. That uterus is actually either spongy. Hmm. Yeah. Gross. Yep. That, I don't like that. Neither did the victims. I mean, I would have pictured it more gummy, you know? No, it's very spongy. It's a spongy tissue. Kind of like, That's weird. Yeah. I don't think about that. Hmm. I, you shouldn't. Well, that's probably a good thing. That means I'm not crazy. hey All right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's kind of the other big difference is you can be, like, super into, like, poop, you know, like, sexually aroused by poop. But I guess part of the difference would be if you're exclusively aroused by poop. That's like the only thing that... Yeah, you can get it up to. That would make it a disorder. Um, so the characterization... That's right. It's persistent and repetitive. Okay. Um, and it uses mostly non-living objects like underwear or a high-heeled shoe. I actually worked on a short film about a guy who fucks shoes. It's foot fetish. It Most was, of the time, that's related to mommy problems. It was awful. I mean, the movie was awful, but... Yeah. Um, but they crushed a dick with a high heel. Mommy issues. That's where a lot of stuff originates, yeah. parental issues, let's yeah. be real. That one, more specifically, that um, you had a feeling that your mother didn't love you enough. So you kind of overly associate your mother's shoes. Because for a lot of kids, that's something that's really exclusively your mom's, like putting on your mom's shoes when you're a kid. Okay. You associate like high heels and stuff, specifically with your mother. 
And so when you feel like you don't get enough attention from your mother psychologically, you seek it later in life and you associate your mother with shoes. So it's kind of like an Oedipus thing. Okay. Or fetishistic disorder can occur with a highly specific focus on a body part that is not typically a genital to reach sexual arousal. A so like genital. Elbows. I'm gonna burp. Just one genital. Nope. Your elbow's not a genital. <laughs> just genitals just seems like a plural only word. Yeah, I agree. A genital. It's like a pant. I agree. That's that is weird. Or a shoe. Oh, wait, no, that makes sense. <laughs> wait, no, that's normal. Okay. Um, um, so people who identify as fetishistic practitioners but do not report associated clinical impairment, they are considered as having a fetish, not being like they having have a, a fetish, but it's not a disorder. disorder. Yeah, I mean we've we've kind of rehashed that like six times. So it's an important distinction I make because that's something that people like, tend to like. I even I'm not. Like, yeah, I'm not trying to offend anybody. Like, so I want to make that point. That, yeah, there are differences. Yeah, if you have a foot fetish, more power to you. Like, go find the world's sexiest feet. Like, I think that, you know, do you, boo-boo. As long as it's not hurting other people or, or getting in life. the way of living. Yeah, exactly. Like, if all you do is look at feet. You might have a big, bit of a problem. So, um, yeah. So, common fetishes, um, or fetish objects, I guess, include female underwear, footwear, foot fetish, gloves... I don't really get gloves. Are they hand shaped? I don't. I mean, people can be like into hands, you know, like nice looking hands, because then you picture them on your body and it's like a whole thing. Like, uh, but gloves. Yeah, like Dylan O'Brien has really nice hands. Not that like I would say that they're specifically a turn on, but they're not a turn off. They're like long yeah, yeah, and spindly, yeah, yeah. and I think they could do nice things. Yeah, no, Oscar Isaac has like nice strong hands. That's what I'm saying. Like you can be. I think if you're into hands, some people that goes as further and becomes a glove thing. I could see it. Yeah. Um, anything made of rubber. It's more tactile, I feel like. Oh, uh, yeah. Or the shiny. I don't know. Mm. Um, leather. Body parts commonly associated with fetishism is feet, toes, and hair. Those are the three most common. So do some people have like a foot fetish but not a toe fetish? And other people have a toe fetish and not a foot fetish? I don't like either of those things, so it's hard for me to like imagine. Yeah. But, like, how would you have a foot fetish without a toe fetish? Because then I imagine, like, Maybe a foot it's without just toes. Like the, no, it's just the arch That's and oh. the, the curvy part. I could see that. Toes are weird. They are weird. I'm definitely not a toe fetishist, that's for sure. For a lot of people, all they have to do is picture the object and they can cause themselves to be aroused, which I feel like that's a pretty powerful skill. Um, just, like, be, like, high-heeled shoe and get a boner. Like, be kind of nice. I mean, not that I have boners, but, you know, like, lady boners. Uh, okay, moving on. <laughs> Although a lot of people, they have to have the actual object present. So that makes sense. A lot you can't of... just think of a foot. Yeah, but if you can, I mean, that's cool. You know, <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> Good for you. Most fetishists will hold, rub, taste, or smell the fetish object. I think some of these are more specific to some fetishists than other. Like tasting, I think, is kind of a foot thing. Unfortunately. <laughs> Whereas smelling is more of an underwear thing. Okay. Eh. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people ask their partners to wear or use the fetishistic object. Okay. Yeah. Asking your girlfriend to grow her hair out because you like to pull on it or asking your lady to wear high-heeled shoes during sex. So, you know, that's fine. 
Okay, so for a diagnosis of fetishistic disorder to be given, the objects must not be limited to articles of clothing used in cross-dressing, as in transvestic disorder, which I think is a kind of offensive term. That is. I don't like that. But that's what was used in the research, so I used it, but I don't like it. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I don't know. Clothes are just clothes. Like, wear whatever the fuck you want to wear, I guess. Yeah. But if you're, like, really obsessed with dresses because you are, like, kind of blossoming as transgender and you're starting to make transitions, that's not considered a fetish. That's you more identifying Well, and, like, Eddie Izzard identifies as a a man. Yeah. But he he enjoys wearing dresses and, like, paints his nails. Yes. That's That's not a fetish. Those shouldn't be gendered things is what I'm saying. Yeah. They shouldn't be in the first place. It's clothing. Yeah. But as far as, like, the psychology manual or whatever goes, Mm. I I think it needs heavily updated in that section in regards to gender. Definitely. But moving on. Um, It also cannot include devices designed specifically for the purpose of genital stimulation. So... Or stimulation. Stimulation. Um, so, like, vi- if you're, like, obsessed or can't get off without a vibrator or dildo, that's not a fe- fetishistic disorder. And that's, if that's just a problem for you, take a break from it for, like, two weeks and you'll be back to normal. Yeah, exactly. Give it, give it time. Try something else. So, if you have a fetish that is related to an inanimate... Inanimate. Inanimate object. This is harder than last week when it was all, like, French and Portuguese. I know, this is even worse. Um, there are actually two types of that type of fetish. Um, so there's consider what's considered a form fetish and a media fetish, which is not what you think. Um, so a form fetish would be the object and its shape, such as a high-heeled shoe would be important as opposed to, a like, a, a loafer or a flat. I have a loafer fetish. Yeah, I'm into loafers. <laughs> Penny loafers specifically. Right? In a media fetish, the material is more important, such as silk or leather. Okay. So both objects, but one's more about touch feel, the other is more about looks. Which I, mean, I think make, is, that makes sense. Yeah, it's just some people. Some people are into look. Some people are into touch. It's, I'm it's more a of a thing. touch person. I'm a touch. I think most women are touch, and most men are look. By the way, most like fetishistic disorder is highly, highly, highly more common in men. It's actually pretty rare in women. That doesn't surprise me. No, honestly. it doesn't. Um, but that is a thing. Um, so in some cases of fetishistic disorder, it can become severe enough to inspire the fetishist to acquire the objects that they need through theft or assault. So they're like extremely obsessive. Well, that, yeah, that's actually the, the film that I, I worked on. Um, he worked at a shoe repair store. I know. Actually, Brian Cook from the, uh, Blitz and Trapper was in that film. Oh yeah. 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 Um, hmm. and he would murder ladies and then keep their toes. After that would be a disorder. I just did the jerk off motion. If oh, you guys couldn't yeah. notice. It was it was a huge dick too. Like, yeah, it was it was a good three footer, I'm telling you. It was a big jerk off motion. I'm really glad no one walked by the window as you were doing that. Okay, so here are the specific diagnostic criteria for fetishism. So it has to go on for a period of at least six months. Can't be temporary. Or at least But passing bad. Yeah. Um, the person has to have recurrent, intense, sexual, sexually arousing fantasies, urges, or behaviors involving non-living objects, such as female undergarments or shoes. The fantasies, sexual urges, or behaviors cause significant distress or impairment. Um, also, they cannot be used in cross-dressing or tactile genital stimulation, such as vibrators. So we went over most of that. Yep. 
Um, people with this disorder may seek employment or volunteer work to enable their behavior. For example, a job in a shoe shop in the case of a shoe fetish. So it's, that is specifically the example used in the research. So I think that guy probably was reading a lot about foot fetishes. Um, actually, it was based on a short story by a lady. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. Hmm. Uh, there was a lot of talk about like what shoe a dick would look best in. It's like it can't be backless, but that would be most convenient. What if it was like a like a slingback? You know? That's actually I think what they ended up. It was like a patent red leather slingback, high heel pump. I feel like black would be a little bit more. You know, it was red. Red was like a visual statement, I guess. Yeah, I guess. But I also feel like a flat would be nice because it would like, you know, cover. Or like a loafer or something, because it would cover the top, you know, the end of it, I mean, just I guess enough to make it, like, mysterious. Well, I mean, so does a... I guess. A flat. Mm-hmm. Not a flat. Uh, just a standard pump. Yeah. Plus it has the name. I feel like the least sexy would be a flip-flop. Yeah, you can't really do one. Because then it has to go one direction. Actually, I... No. What could you possibly be talking about no, right Birkenstocks now? are the least sexy shoe to find. Hey, these are gorgeous. Um, and that toe slot is perfect for a not-too-big penis. Those are some not so sexy. I'm wearing big shoes. like yeah. I like that we're both wearing Birkenstocks. I'm right dressed now. like the best counselor at Camp Lesbian right now. You generally are. That's my that's my summer look. I yeah, enjoy t shirts and Yeah. Alright, so I'm gonna talk about some common fetishes right now and we're gonna get real weirded out. Um, because there are some funky ones on this list. Now we're getting weirded out. So amputee fetishism. We talked about this. We did. Uh, in the mental disorder episode yes yeah 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 yeah. um although i think we talked more about people that are into cutting off their own limbs and not so much into well, no we were talking about how there are communities limbs. of people that will encourage that because they are yeah. into amputees yeah exactly um breast fetishism which again you can be really into boobs but if it's affecting your life then it's like a disorder if all you think about is boobs i mean you're a teenage boy or you have a disorder yeah so wait till you're out of your teenage years before you decide um, corsets, or it's also called tight lacing fetishism. Ugh. So corsets, I think just the general look of like binding, you know, like pinching off something and having the skin kind of fold over and on the bottom, you know, like that kind of <laughs> like sausage link look. Yeah. <laughs> um, diaper fetishes, yeah. foot fetishes, food fetishes, which what sexy when it's like. Chocolate sauce. Not so sexy when it's like mac burgers. And cheese. <laughs> mac and cheese. Oh, the sound. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, furry fetishism or tunaphilia is what that's called. Like cartoon uh, tunaphilia. I thought you meant like fish. Like tuna. No, no, no. Like um, tunaphilia. Travis and I saw a couple of furries when we were at the... Uh... Not surprising. The, the rose, the uh, the waterfront, the carnival. Yeah, not surprising. There's a lot of them out there. They were just out in the world with the big heads on. Oh, those things are creepy. Um, but if you're into it, do you, boo-boo. Just maybe not. Eh, whatever. <sighs> Gloves, leather, medical fetishism, which I'm not even entirely sure what that means. Is it like a doctor-nurse fantasy, or is it like being really into like surgery? Because that's weird. Isn't that like a gore fetishism? That has to be something point? gore-related. I don't know. But it's a thing. Medical fetishism is on this list. Pregnancy fetishism? Uh, yeah. I've heard of that. <laughs> Um, rubber boots specifically, just boots, any kind of boot. Remember that gimp suit from American Horror Story? Yeah, yeah. Thinking about that last night, just at home alone, thinking about 
The rubber man. Yeah, that's that's something maybe you shouldn't do. Um, spandex fetishism, stockings or socks. Um, I posted a picture once where I was wearing really cute tights, and it wasn't like a sexy picture. It was like a picture of me in a dress with like mint colored tights, and I thought they're really cute. So I like and all the hashtags. One of them was tights, and like a shitload of like stocking fetish. Like Instagram's oh. favorited it, and I had to delete it because I was like, oh, this is weird. I didn't realize that was going to happen. That's when I. That's how I found out about stocking fetishes. I mean, I knew it was something that people were into, but I didn't even know that was like a thing until they were all following me. <laughs> these are these last two are my favorite oh. swim cap fetishism oh no because it just makes you look like a penis yeah maybe mm, that explains it actually a little bit maybe it's kind of like a secretly gay thing i don't know i used to date a guy who's on the swim team and i went to a lot of swim meets did you think the hats were nice no i hated them that's what i'm saying i also hated the speedos because there's a bunch of high school boys wearing tiny speedos and eight the boners there's so many boners oh god just accidental okay this last one is belly button fetish like like the button i don't know if it's like fucking a belly button or if it's just having a belly button or if it's looking at a belly button having one is very general exactly or sniffing one or licking Mm. one heaven forbid Please, I don't even care if you have a belly button fetish. Please don't stick your tongue in a belly button. You don't know what kind of bacteria are in there. Ugh. Never stick your tongue in a belly button. Especially if it's an alley, because that's weird and very difficult. I feel like that's cleaner, though, honestly. Well, yeah. You don't really see those very often. Audis? Yeah. Not anymore. I feel like I used to see a shitload. Yeah, not... What happened to all the Audis? Audis of the world, where are you? I mean, I've seen a number of people naked and no Audis. Yeah, I I know what you mean. But like when I was a kid, I feel like half kids were like, "Oh, I have an Audi," and the other half were like, "I have an Innie." Like it was something yeah, we talked it was about. Yeah, very recess. evenly split, and maybe the, I don't know. Did what they happened. all turn into Innies? That's weird. Right. What happened? To that? Please email us. Tell us about whether or not you have an Innie or an Audi. We should make this a poll on Twitter. Or we something. should. I'm gonna do it. Okay. Um. So. <laughs> Fetishistic disorders typically have an onset during puberty, but they can develop as in childhood. Puberty. Why is that funny? Puberty's a they thing. Say it like Cartman during puberty. <laughs> puberty, actually. I think. Puberty is that how you said it? I don't remember. I know what episode you're talking about. But yeah. I don't remember who said it. Oh god! And when I was editing it, I just kept. Isn't that when he like glues like pay somebody to give him like ball hairs or something like that? I've seen and, like... very little South okay. Park. It's a whole thing. He also, there's an episode, it's like my favorite thing ever, but there's an episode where he bets people that he can make his digestive tract basically work in reverse, and he sits on a plate of food and basically eats it with his butt, and like, the whole episode goes by, and at the end of the episode, like, he like, pukes up poop, and then he's like, you guys owe me ten dollars, and that's like how the episode ends, and it's, I don't know. Why does he sound like Kevin Hart? I don't know. I don't know, leave me alone. <laughs> I've never been good at voices. Um, okay, so, fetishism. So, some people believe that it begins because of early childhood experiences or abuse, but a lot of scientists are actually starting to move away from that theory. I mean, there are a lot of theories that, like, if the first time you got a boner, you were also looking at blood, like, then that's something that... Yeah, but I feel like that's really specific. Like, you know, I don't think the first time you get a boner should determine what you're into for the rest of your life. I I mean, I'm being very, very loose with it. Yeah. Like, like Jeffrey Dahmer liked to fuck people that weren't moving. Like, that was his whole thing. Yeah, and I feel like part of that's a power thing, you know. For him, it wasn't. That was 
the Bundy thing. Mm, Bundy yeah. was just gross. Power trip. Yep. So a lot of times they think that children will have an object they associate with a particularly powerful form of like sexual gratification. Yeah. Um, other learning theor- theorists focus on like later childhood, like right before puberty, mm-hmm. and associate it with like when you begin masturbating. Because that doesn't always coincide with puberty. Especially with girls, actually. A lot of girls start before they hit puberty. Really? Yeah, because you don't require puberty to get yeah, I guess. that thing like working. It works the same way before and after. It just adds a little bit of hair and blood after. Ugh. I know. But with boys, you know, there's you know, you kinda of have to wait till you get a boner before you can masturbate with it. That's and I true. don't think you get a boner until you're in puberty. I but don't I don't know. know, I feel like that's kinda. We need to do an episode on that. Yeah. Hey boys, when was your first boner? No. No, please answer me because I'm curious. I have lots of questions about penises I that I never want to. Run ask. the Twitter. I'm gonna get gross. Well, maybe I'll take over for a day and we'll talk about <laughs> early boners. We'll give you the Twitter on our F- own The FBI is going to come after me, especially all after all of this Googling. I think the FBI is going to show up on my doorstep. Oh, you have no idea. Okay. Um, some behavioral scientists think that children who are victims or observers of inappropriate sexual behavior learn to imitate it. So they think that people develop these things from watching it. Which... That's fair. But, like, how many people can possibly be exposed to people sexually using their feet? But there are a lot of people that have foot fetishes. I mean, with the dawn of the internet and, like, teenagers... Okay, now. ...being so... I don't know. Yeah, but, like, 40-year-old men. Like, I feel like there's a lot of 40-year-old men who have foot fetishes, and not all of them watch somebody with a foot fetish. Like, I feel like that can't be the cause. There's gotta be something in your, your noggin. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Other people who use something called the compensation model suggest that it's because they are deprived of normal sexual situations and thus, like, try to find their gratification through non-acceptable means. So they just don't know where to outlet their sexual energy. Okay. Fair. Yeah. When you're a kid, you don't know where to put it. You don't know what it is. You just know, you're like, mm, I need something. This is working. Let's do this. Yeah. You just kind of fall into it, I guess. Um, Okay, so far more common with males is that the patterns indicate that it stems from doubts about masculinity, potency, feelings of self-worth. A lot of it actually stems from there. Fear of rejection, fear of humiliation, which I think is weird that that causes fetishism because if you're so afraid of rejection that it's going to affect is embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it is also, like, a power thing. You know, like, mastery over an object, you know. Yeah. Control. It's a, it's a man thing, honestly. It's a man thing. It's a toxic masculinity thing. Yeah. Like, you don't see a lot of gay men doing it either. It's mostly straight men. They, wait, fetishize. Fetishize? Fetishize. Fetishize some things. But not a lot of gay men get fetishistic disorder, I don't think. Unless it's, like, closeted gay men that seriously have bad outlets for their sexual energy um, jeffrey dahmer jeffrey dahmer exactly don't bottle things up because You'll sometimes fetishes a bunch of boys and... yeah and fetishes <laughs> happen and things get weird people will find penises in your freezer it's a whole thing i told you that he used to use makeup to paint the black penises white right yeah yeah like, I mean, if he's going to kill somebody, why not just kill a white one? Um, it's a hairless thing. He liked them to be hairless, and generally the black. Why do you and... shave them? Because he wanted... He'll paint them, but he won't shave them? You know what? I wasn't there. But that's mostly why he murdered black and Asian men, because they're generally a little more hairless. 
that's weird. Yep. I feel like that's almost kind of a pedophilia thing. Wanting them to be like all hairless and nubile. I need to revisit the Jeffrey Dahmer series uh, from last podcast, but I'll get back to you on that. Okay. So treatments. Let's talk about how to fix this if it gets to a point that you have a problem. Um, Some weird intervention. Yeah. So most people will only ever get treated once it starts to impact their day-to-day. So the most common things are going to be, first off, psychoanalysis. So real good brain test. Mm. They're going to talk to you a lot. Um, Hypnosis has been used. Yeah. Apparently semi-effective. Cognitive and behavioral therapy. Pretty effective. Um, And then they also usually add in medications like SSRIs, something called androgen deprivation therapy. Um, And they find that these medications can help. They basically decrease the amount of testosterone in your blood, which lowers your sex drive to the point that you have control over your sex drive. Okay. Um, And this I thought was really interesting. But um, because a lot of it is hormone-based, they found that hormones such as medroxyprogesterone acetate or Depo-Provera, the birth control shot, greatly help people that have fetishistic disorder. Yeah, they just basically give men birth control and they quit being weird about fetishes because basically it kills your sex drive. That's right. Here, right here, proof that the birth control shot kills your sex drive. I thought we had that as an issue. Did you ever have the shot? Not the shot. The shot's very different. Really? It's a different dose because it lasts for three months. And so they basically give you like a dose at once that basically just fizzles over three months. And then there are, um, like, SSRIs, which are uh, antidepressants, do the same thing. They decrease your testosterone. Uh, Also, they use aversive conditioning, which is when you introduce a negative stimuli while they're experiencing their fetish. So, like, you'll show them, like... A shoe and then shock them. Yeah. Or, I thought this was interesting, they use scent... A lot because you have a lot of emotional connections between, like, you know, your brain and, like, smells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they will put in, like, the smell of rotten eggs every time they show you a picture of, like, rubber. Or have you feel rubber while introducing you to the smell of, like, B.O. And then after a while you start to associate it with being kind of gross and then you don't really like it anymore. Hmm. Hmm. I know. Interesting, right? Sorry, I just got really, like, like... Vision went like laser focused into the word masturbation for a second. Oh, and I couldn't that figure is, out where that I was. What that word does. Yeah, yeah. They also use sometimes light and color therapy, so showing you certain colors while you're sexually aroused, or while you're looking at something that normally sexually arouses you. And apparently, these colors or lights, I couldn't figure out which color or what kind of light, but they can actually reverse like a sexual inclination. Weird. Because apparently they're non-sexy colors, but like. I don't green. know which maybe um or they will show them like uh, a certain color that like I guess would kind of condition you to need that color like continually show you like if you have a foot fetish that's impacting your life continually show you only green shoes and let you like go nuts on green shoes and then basically it kind of helps limit it to where like only green shoes work but like how often do you see green high heels like it's not going to be a big part of your life that's true so kind of condition it down into something more manageable okay so there's a quote that i found in here and i thought it was kind of entertaining and interesting so i included it um so this is um from a person who does what is called abdl which is adult baby diaper lovers um so they said i don't consider it a fetish for me because there are a lot of different aspects of the abdl 
adult baby diaper lover community that attracted me to it. The only real sexual aspect of it is being attracted to a specific type of underwear. I relate it to an underwear fetish. Seeing a good-looking guy in a pair of briefs or a good-looking guy in a diaper, either way, it's seeing a good-looking guy in a pair of underwear, just a, a really specific type. Yes. Yeah. It's like it's basically seeing a dude in underwear. They're just kind of poofy. Yeah. It's the baby thing. Yeah, it is. Um, okay, now this is where we jump into pedophilia. So if this ain't your bag, which I, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't under- be your bag. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to dive in more to, like, what causes pedophilia. Okay. Like, if it's, like, a psychological well, Yeah, I feel like problem. that's not something that's talked about a lot. Yeah, most people are just like, you're a pedophile, therefore you're a gross monster of a human being. Which generally, yes, but... It's more the people that act out on it. Because, yes. okay, pedophiles, molesters, not the same thing. Being sexually attracted to children, but understanding that that's something that you struggle with, and never acting on it, is one thing. Actually grabbing a child and touching them inappropriately is a completely different thing. Yes. And a lot of people that molest aren't even pedophiles. Using a really specific and really interesting test called... It starts with a P. Of course it does. What else would it start with? Um, we'll, we'll come back around to that because I'm sure it'll pop up in my notes when I'm least ready for it. Um, so, okay. So... Pedophilia, they used to think that it stemmed from psychological problems early in life, like being abused as a child. Yeah. But most experts now actually view it as a, none of you are going to like this, don't get mad and hear me out, but a sexual orientation, the same way as like being gay or lesbian. Really? Immutable, present from childhood, present from birth. Like, just how you are wired that way. Really? Yeah. Never feel any other way. From the time that you're 5 years old, 10 years old, 15, 20, 25, rest of your life, always the same. And I'm assuming there's, like, true pedophilia and then... And then, yeah, like, molesters, that's not actually pedophilia. It's, like, a molestation thing. It's a power thing. It's about control. It's about feeling better than someone. It's not about being sexually aroused by hairless, tiny vages. I know. It's weird. I'm super going to get the FBI on my doorstep. Um, So it's a basically a deep-rooted predisposition limited almost entirely to men that becomes clear during puberty and does not change. So the best estimate is that between 1 and 5% of men are actually pedophiles, um, meaning they have a dominant attraction to prepubescent children. Most of them hide it. Well, yeah. You tuck that down real deep and you ignore it for your whole life. Maybe tuck that down wasn't the best phrasing. Um, probably not. It might not be my best. Um, so the article I was reading was talking about a specific guy who said that when he was like seven years old, you know, you notice the other girls in your class are pretty. And that's when you start, you know, kind of getting the like really early stages of sexual awakening, you know, kind of like, you know, the guys that just like rub their penises on everything and, you know. Just kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, he noticed that the other girls his age were really pretty, and he was really into them, you know? And then he turned 12 years old, still really into that same look. And then 15 comes around, and he talked about being, like, kind of realizing that his attraction to that age wasn't going away no matter how much older he got. And he was, like, terrified. He was like, I was scared of myself. I was, like, I shut myself down. Like, tried to bury that down deep, which 
we all know burying something down deep is not a healthy way to deal no, with that things. Just makes it worse. Exactly. But he never felt he could tell anyone because well, yeah. pedophilia is it's like worse than murder to a lot of people. It is. And it you know, justifiably so. You know, molestation justifiably so. Child porn justifiably so. But having that predisposition that you can't control, I feel like it should be viewed more as something we're offering to help and not something that we're yeah. just saying you're wrong. Well, I mean, it might be, like, in you since you were born kind of thing, but unlike being gay or being lesbian, which are, it's consenting yeah. adult people. Yeah. This is with a group of people who cannot give consent. consent. So you cannot act on it. You can't be out searching for it. Exactly. It's not unfortunately that's, that's, for you yeah that's the difference like you should not try to fix gay lesbian or any of that no but you, this is something that you should because yeah specifically because of non-consent because it brings harm to other people yeah i heard a really interesting case that someone was talking about and they were talking about virtual reality and like the headsets and stuff and like so virtual reality is obviously making its way into the porn industry because obviously. why not yeah um but they were talking about what the legality would be and what the morality would be of making VR of things that are normally illegal, like children, um, as long as it's, you know, basically an animated child, one that's not isn't based that on a real human being. Isn't that still considered child pornography? Right now, yes. yes. But they think that maybe this would help people who have pedophilia and are acting out on it by molesting. This would keep them from doing it. I I feel like it could also encourage them that's to take exactly, it like, further. Yeah, because they're, they're doing it and they like it and then yeah. you, you kind of want the real thing. Yeah, but at the same time... If you want it and like it and want it and like it, what keeps you from trying the real thing without having that stepping stone? So maybe that would actually help people kind of realize, like, okay, I've satisfied the curiosity. I can take a step back. I mean, that's assuming that someone is thinking very clearly and can handle it. That's true. It depends, Most of this it, is emotional. It depends on the person. Yeah. So there's kind of an interesting case for that. Um, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I don't really know where I fall on that. Yeah. It's kind of iffy. Like... Do you think maybe if we gave Jeffrey Dahmer a virtual reality headset, an unlimited, like, gay, tie, naked, no, dead boy think, thing, do you think it could satisfy the urge to... No, I think his was also rooted in abandonment issues, which is why he didn't like it when they moved. He wanted to keep them uh, because he did get abandoned a lot. And it was during a time when it was not okay to be gay. That's true. So if he had been able to... Well, that's what I'm saying. If he would have had a headset where he could do all this and have this outlet and do whatever he wanted in after a he was false already, reality. After he was already damaged, yes. But I yeah. feel like earlier there were other things that could have been done to prevent that. Yeah, that's true. So that's kind of the case. Like, it, there's like a TV show about that right now, right? Like, Westworld or something like that? Westworld is very different. Um, sort of. Yeah. Uh, Westworld is a theme park and they have hosts who are basically robots. And you can go there and you can uh, fuck sex workers and like murder a guy do things that are wrong but it's in a false reality so it doesn't impact your actual reality therefore is that okay that's the big question this is actually a question that's going to impact our lives because virtual reality is a thing i have a virtual reality headset if you're in a relationship and you go to westworld and you sleep with someone is it cheating these are the real questions just really advanced porn yeah and if you go to westworld and you fuck a dude are you gay you know what i'm saying (laughs) just like there are a lot of straight guys that watch gay porn i mean it's a thing it's a good way to try something out yeah see if you like it oh okay that's what i'm saying there's some cases for it some cases against we went on a real long tangent very gray area it is it's super gray i'm getting towards the end here don't worry so 
virtual reality. Oh, I found the test name. So it's called, so to test if you're a pedophile, um, they use something called phallometry, like phallic, phallometry. It is, they uh, basically put a man in a room alone and have him view a series of images and listen to descriptions of various sexual acts with both adults and children, male and female, while wearing a device that monitors the blood flow to his penis. So he can't hide an erection. They basically scientifically prove that aroused you. And they can see what you're into. Um, You were going to talk about the cold open. Oh, yes, yes. So let me skip ahead to that because there's some... So interesting biological roots in pedophilia. Um, Most compelling evidence is that 30% of pedophiles are left-handed, which doesn't seem like all that much. It's still less than half. Yes, but I'm not a man. I'm also not shorter than average. Yes, you are. I am about one shorter than average, so I almost fit this, but I'm not a pedophile. 30% of pedophiles are left-handed, which is triple the rate in, like, normal society. So there's a kind of a preference for left-handed people to be into this, which is kind of interesting. It makes you think that it's more biological. Also, they have found that um, that their IQ points, they're generally... 10 points less than average on the IQ scale. Really? So they tend to be, they think it's caused by like an underdevelopment in certain areas of the brain. And then they've done brain scans on convicted child molesters and found, and like people that have been convicted of like child porn charges and found that they have less white matter than usual, which is kind of where most of the connections are. The gray matter tends to be more like automatic okay. in a way, whereas yeah. the white matter is your decision making. Huh. And then interesting story. Um, so there was a 40-year-old guy who lived in Virginia, no history of sexual deviance. He was a really super normal guy. Out of nowhere, he got arrested on child porn charges. And everyone was just like, what the fuck? Like, what is this guy doing? And they took him, and he also complained about um, having a really bad headache. So they took him to the emergency room, and they did an MRI, and they found that there was a really big tumor suppressing his frontal lobe, which is your decision-making uh... area. Uh, so they removed the tumor. He went totally back to normal. Everything was fine for a certain number of years. And then it started happening again. And he started to get really interested in children and was looking up child porn and stuff and got arrested again. Went back to the hospital. The tumor was growing back. So it only coincided with the tumor in his frontal lobe. So they're finding that it's actually, like, for a lot of people, it's a decision not to be sexually aroused by children. If you suppress the ability to make conscious decision, more people become aroused by children. So it's almost like, I don't want to say it's natural to be into children, but there is some vague evidence that perhaps there's a much higher percentage of pedophilia than we will ever even really realize because we're consciously suppressing it. degrees of it. Yeah, because we're consciously suppressing it, apparently. So, interesting notes. You might be a pedophile. Anybody could be. You won't find out unless you have a tumor in your frontal lobe. Um, Do we talk about um, unrelated to pedophiles, but people who are attracted to inanimate objects? Like cars and like all that. Like cars and that lady who married the Eiffel Tower. Um, I think that would also fall under like a form fetishism. Um, There's a name for it, though, isn't it? It's It falls under a really broad category of um, what they call paraphilia. That's the word. Yeah, paraphilia. It's basically a sexual disorder that relates to you having big sexual problems that impact your life. So fetishistic disorder, pedophilia, all of these things fall under that umbrella. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
I just I didn't really dive into those things because they're like you know for the the most part they're like one off kind of weird. They're just kind of like outliers on a sexual fetish spectrum. It's, they're like the extremes. It's just a very weird specific problem. Yeah, and I mean sometimes it isn't even a problem. It's just it's just a thing. Weird. And at that point, it's a fetish. I mean. I think a lot of guys, they won't really admit it, but I think a lot of them get boners around nice cars. I don't think it's unrealistic. I mean, I've watched a lot of Top Gear. I get there it. There are some sexy cars, it's especially true. those shots they do with them. I like a nice long hood. Yeah. I think a lot of this also kind of comes back around to the whole, like... Well, and th- some things in their form are purposefully... Sexual. Set, made, like, shaped sexually. Yeah. That's why, like, the handles of so many things are shaped kind of like dildos. You're like... There's something about that that would fit yeah. really nicely up a hoo-ha. Or butt. I'm not being, you know. Whatever you want to do. You know, exclusive. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's a lot in, like, design where it's sexy, sexy cars. Yeah. I think the media over-sexualizes everything, and in return, we end up with people that have more advanced sexual disorders. Yeah. I, I don't know what else you would be expecting by making things shaped like dicks that don't need to be shaped like dicks. Name one thing that's shaped like a dick that doesn't need to be shaped like a dick. Eiffel Tower. Yeah. It's vague, but it's there. Um, Magic Daniel or whatever that thing's name Abracadaniel. was. Abracadaniel. Yeah, he definitely looks like a dick. Yeah. That was a callback to the episode that I was on of that Bracket Royale. Yes, exactly. It super was. Yeah. That's a problem because he's shaped like a penis. Therefore, you are like subconsciously subjecting that to children because children watch that show. I mean, they should be introduced to Panasia. But they don't, they don't say it in the show, do they? They don't go, hey, look, that guy looks like a dick. Oh, yeah. like, no, no. So they're kind of subconsciously developing a like association with that character who looks like something they're going to encounter later in life. Yeah, it's preparing them. It's either preparing them or maybe messing them up. So in like 10 years, we're going to have, actually, Adventure Time is more adult. Yeah, but I mean, kids probably watch it all the time, not realizing it's an adult show. You know, in a couple of years, just... Oh, hey, that looks like an Abracadaniel. Or not realizing that it looks like Abracadaniel and looking at it and be like, this somehow reminds me of my childhood and then thinking you're really fucked up. And when you think you're fucked up, you get fucked up. And then it like causes all sorts of mental I know problems. it's not funny, but it's also really funny. It's a little bit funny. <laughs> that Abracadaniel is probably going to fuck some kids up. Oh, God, why does this remind me of tricks in Saturday mornings? Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, why does that remind me of this? Like, it, it's a whole association thing. The brain's complicated, okay? Yes, it is. Okay, so housekeeping, housekeeping. Um, um, okay, so if you have something to say to us that's n- not mean. Or mean. Let me hear it. I, I did a real this controversial a, this episode. This is a very rough episode. Um, we are actually um, subscribe to this podcast if you're listening on iTunes. Rate, review. All of the good things. All of the good things. We're also on Twitter at Afternoonified. We're on Instagram at Afternoonified. Facebook at Facebook.com slash GetAfternoonified. Our website is www.GetAfternoonified.com where you can listen to past episodes, send us messages, leave donations. We love a good donation. You can also see us now on the River City Podcast Federation website, which is RiverCityPodcastFederation.com. Yes. um, Where you can also check out some of our sister podcasts. That we're gonna call them or brother podcast our sibling podcasts um, and, and they're amazing i've been obsessing all day yeah and you can see us look real cute our as, drawings as are so cute i even got my tattoo on mine so website do we have to do an ad for one of the other shows no no we will play it we'll play it oh oh after yes uh you may or may not hear an ad after we're finished here i'm not sure what's going on yeah
Um, but either way, in the next, either this episode or the next few, you're going to start hearing a little bit more about yes. other things. Yes. Um, tell us what you want to hear us talk about. We're planning for the next round of episodes, so now is the time to get your idea in. And also let me know how you guys feel about being referred to as nooners. I'm into it. <laughs> My little nooners. Little nooners. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's a pretty good time to say bye. On the next spec script. Oh no, we gotta get the thing. Also, what is spec script? Oh, oh God! I I have to write an episode of a TV show that I've I've never seen an episode of. Oh no! And we have we cast it with a bunch of great local Portland comedians and performers. And then we perform it live and record it and release it for you as a podcast called Spec Script. And it's a lot less irritating than this. Oh, it really is. Check it out on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. And see it live at Kelly's Olympian second Sunday, seven o'clock Pacific time. Spec Script. Doo-doo.